Sometimes we wonder if God is speaking to us, but don't worry, he's speaking. He's spoken and he will continue to speak. In fact, if he was from New Orleans, he might say something like, you heard me? If God has spoken, we want to hear from him. And one of the ways he speaks to us is through his leaders, our pastors. Join Vintage Church for the next four weeks as we all hear a word from the Lord from each of our pastors. These four messages will be special, personal words that our pastors believe the Lord wants to tell us. What does God want to tell us? What does he want us to do? Who does he want us to be? Whatever happens, trust this, the Lord will speak. You heard me? Well, good morning. Welcome to Vintage. I've not met you before. My name is Pastor Brick. So glad to have you, especially if you're new to Vintage. I want to welcome you to Vintage Church. We are right now in a series called You Heard Me. So look to your neighbor or someone across the room and say, You heard me? This was uh, Pastor Mark Anthony's idea. Uh, if you haven't liked it, he is coming next week to close out the series. Feel free to come. We got a little taste of the sermon next week. Really good. You don't want to miss that. Today, I'm excited to share with you. This is really a series where just each of our pastors had a chance to share with you just something that we're sort of going through and processing. And so uh, I want to do that today. It's going to be very hopefully interactive, so feel free to talk back. And so we'll start first with this question, okay? What is your favorite season? All right. Now, take that real quick. If you didn't think of it on that quick, think really hard, really quick. What is your favorite season? As you think about that, what, what is it about that season that's great for you? What, what does it feel like? What does it taste like? What do you experience? And as you think about that, I want to talk about my favorite season, okay? Uh, it is uh, summer. And I like summer so much because I am a beach bum, okay? Uh, come by this honestly, my mom's a beach bum too, but we as a Brick family are uh, beach people. We love that salt life. And so uh, a summer for us involves hopefully going to the beach. And God so orchestrated for us to live in New Orleans that within an hour to an hour and a half drive, we can be at a beach. And so we'll just pick up and go on a Saturday and spend all day at the beach. When we're at the beach, a couple of things that I like about summer and the beach time. One, we have a beach playlist in our house, okay? Uh, we have this curated on I, uh, Apple Music, and we'll play it all year, okay? And so if it's just a Monday where we're down and we're making red beans, I'll just put on the beach playlist, okay? Uh, Friday, if you're driving past or behind me on St. Charles most mornings, my kids are a little down, and so they don't want to go to school, and uh, to motivate them, just pop on the beach playlist, okay? And so if you see my kids today, ask them, okay? Somebody asked me after the nine, what is your favorite song on the Bricks Beach playlist, okay? But that's what we love. I love personally to read, okay? I always consider it a success in the summer. If I get to like September and I've read a John Grisham book, I love to read John Grisham in summer. What about you? What's your favorite season? Today we're going to be in Ephesians 3, and so I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, to open that there to Ephesians 3, and maybe instead of asking, what is your favorite season, maybe it's better to say, have you ever stopped to consider what season you're in right now? 
I want to I talk today about seasons, and we're going to come out of, Ephes- out of uh, Ecclesiastes 3, and so just to help you understand, one, if you're new to the Bible, that's in the middle of your Bible, so it's Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes, you can find that, and we believe that this man named Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. In fact, he, we think, wrote three books of our Bible, and so just sort of help you understand that, because it's important for the context, I think. Song of Songs, right after this book, I think Solomon was a young newlywed when he wrote this. He was in that season of his life. If you've ever read Song of Solomon, you probably know that, that it's a lot about intimacy and just this newlywed love. And then we have Proverbs, and we're probably most all familiar with Proverbs, right? It's a sense in which each of those verses can be just so packed. We probably have a proverb maybe that we've saved somewhere, we have it on our wall, or we constantly go through that. And then we have Ecclesiastes. And I think that Ecclesiastes is something that Solomon wrote, I think, older in his life, later in his life. At this time, he's probably a seasoned adult. He's been through life. And there's a lot of reflections and thoughts that he gives, I think, in this writing. And if you've ever read Ecclesiastes, just full stop, just just to be clear with you this morning, it can read very depressing, okay? It can be a very depressing thing to read. But we believe that all of Scripture has hope. And so this morning, let's read, let's see the hope that God has for us. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, going through 15, it says, For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. Depressing, I said, right? A time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal. A time to break up, and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Verse 9, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat, drink, and take pleasure in all of his toil. This is God's gift to man and woman. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it, so that people fear before him. To which is, has already been. To which is to be, already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. 15 is like a little Yoda talking to you. So, before we move on, here's what I want you to do. We're going to put up, I think, the back part of those two times, the time two and the time two. I just want you to sit for a minute, okay? And I want you to just see what two or three of those stick out to you. So as I was reading just now, as you look back over that, what, what sticks out to you? What just sort of lands this morning where you're at? Everybody got one? All right, so I think this passage, Ecclesiastes 3, has one truth and two invitations for you this morning. 
two truths and one invitation, or sorry, one truth, two invitations for you. The idea this morning is that a season is a lens through which we see life, okay? So the first truth that we're going to talk about, I want you to get this morning, is that God has established seasons, okay? God has established seasons. See, seasonal language is woven throughout Scripture, okay? In fact, a lot of the ways the Bible talks about God working is shared in a metaphor of agricultural or farming language. Now, for us today, might be a little bit difficult because we live post an industrial revolution where it's all about producing results and getting things done and tasks, but that's not the context of the Bible. The context of the Bible is actually that of art, uh, agricultural, right, of farming, of this sort of cyclical cycle that God has set up. And so what Solomon is saying here first is he places for us so we can understand where God is and where we are, okay? Where is God? Heaven. Thank you, Dustin. He listened to the nine. So good. It doesn't say in the text, but the reason we know that is because then he goes in one, and what does he say we are? Earth, right? Verse one, right? A time for everything under heaven. That's you, right? You're not in heaven, right? You're in fact under heaven, and we call that earth, and here's, here's what he says that I love. He says, he's made everything beautiful in its time. Now, you're probably most familiar with this passage of Ecclesiastes, of all the passages that there are there. In 2 through 8, what Solomon is sort of doing, I think, is he's setting up two poles. And between these two poles, so there's a time two and a time two, even me at my reading. You saw me like swaying back and forth, right? Um, there, there's these two poles he establishes. And he basically says that for all of us, right, everything, everyone, every activity, there is a time. What, me, what, which, what that means is everything created has a starting point and an ending point. And what he's trying to set up is that life exists in between those two poles, okay? So maybe if we read it today in our context, we would say there's a time to grieve and a time to celebrate. There's a time for bowling crawfish and there's a time for gumbo. There's a time for listening to Christmas music and that time and that season is not right now. That's theological. There's a time for eating king cake, and there's a season that we don't eat king cake. Right? Thank you, Mary. There's a, there's a time for diapers, parents, and there's a time that we can barely keep our fridge full. There's a, there's a time for chemo, and there's a time for remission. There's a time to earn, and there's a time that we might have to withdraw from that savings or that 401k. There's a time to have fun with your kids, and there's a time when you're just not cool for them anymore. What about you? What is your time? Maybe better to say, what is your season that you're in? Now, maybe better to think about instead of these polls that, that uh, Solomon's doing, it's better to think about this like a timer, okay? Not to get too philosophical with you, but time, even time, is an entity created by God. You realize that, right? God does not exist in time. He's outside of time, which means that as a creator, this is time is something that he thought up, like humans and animals and rocks and oceans and kale and crawfish and oysters and king cake. Time is a created entity by God. He has established time. And God's outside of that. And what we believe as Christians is he's actually, in fact, sovereignly for overseeing and working in time. And the reality that we have to sit with today is that our time, it's set. And that's very sobering. It's very humbling. 
Because what it does is it takes the control out of us. See, we think that if we exercise or diet or wear our seatbelt or eat organic food that we extend our time, right? We add more. No. Your time is set. said this in the first, you know that no one has these anymore, by the way? Everyone in my sphere of influence didn't have one today. I had to go buy this for this week, right? And then somebody came up at the nine, like, oh, yeah, I have one of those. I was like, ah, the one guy I didn't text had one. But that's the reality. And, and, and you, you have to sort of see that, that, that God, in fact, is in control. Now, what I would also caution you is if you don't need to view that God basically set this up, he put it here, and now he's left it to go, and he's just on about his business. That's also bad to think about when it comes to time. No, in fact, the Bible tells us God has not just created it, but he's actually still very present in it. He's holding it in his hands. He's very active through it, right? God is working through all of time. He's working right now in your season. He's working right now in time. One commentator I read said this, says, the universe has a flow and a regularity to it that is beyond any human control and renders fruitful uh, any attempts at profit. The wise person, get this, the wise person lives life in light of this massive truth. So the question I have for you in this, this truth that God establishes seasons is, do you really believe it? Do you believe that God has created time? Do you believe that you actually don't control time? Do you believe that God is actually working, that God controls time, that God has that set? That's that's where we have to come to a belief. And, And what's tough about this is that belief, when we believe that, it begins to move us from controlling, right? Thinking that we can extend or stop time. Instead, we loosen our hands and we steward the time God's given us. That's what this belief does. There's a sense in which if we, if we really believe this about God and about time and about ourselves, then we, have, we don't have to spend so much time worrying about extending time. We don't have to worry so much about trying to slow down time, which is something physically impossible for us to do. Instead, we take a posture of saying, we're just going to steward what God's given us. Like all good gifts, God's given us a good gift of time. And we're going to steward to the best that we can for our children and our grandchildren if we see them, in our city and in our church. And so for you today, I would ask you, what season are you in right now? What season are you in right now? God has established seasons. That's the truth. Now there's two encouragements that I would give you, or two invitations I think that God invites us into with this. One is that we need to discern our season, or you need to discern your season. I think that there are various seasons in life, okay? In the created order, there's four seasons. Now, we don't get this down here in New Orleans, because we have like three fake falls, and then falls like two days, and then it's like brutally cold, right? But in the rest of the created world, there are four seasons, right? Fall, winter, spring, and summer. And so that thing right there, God set up. That is a part of the cyclical nature of the world spinning that we do not control. That's a season that all of us, regardless of whether we believe that or not, go through those four seasons. But then when you take this idea of season, you begin to apply it into your life. I think there's a way to look at all the areas and various aspects of our life in the grid of seasons. And so there are school seasons, right? There's sports seasons. There's a season to be married, There's a season to be single. There's a season to be a parent. There's a season to be an empty nester, right? There's 
spiritual seasons in our life. There's emotional seasons in our life, and there are cultural seasons that we experience in our life. I think global perspective, there is a reality. The last few years, we have been going through a season globally, and wherever you work, that organization, this church, every organized organization goes through seasons. And so those are the various seasons, and what I'm currently thinking through right now that I would just give to you to think and process this week is that I think every season offers three things. Every season offers three things. One, every season offers a lesson to be learned. A lesson to be learned. Secondly, every season offers a gift from God. And then third, every season offers a way that he is working. There is not one right season and three wrong. There's not one good season and three bad. All four seasons are good gifts that God created, are good gifts that God gives to us. And so as we think about seasons, there's a framework that I've adapted from a guy named Peter Scazzaro. This is a podcast he has. He writes a lot on emotional health. Uh, that Every book he's written is emotionally healthy something, okay? Well, this is a podcast, and I, just, I think it's a very helpful way for us to think about what Solomon is saying here, okay? And maybe you want to write these down, okay? Have them on the screen for you. But first, fall is a season of preparation. It's a transitional period, okay? It's, it's one of decline, okay? Fall is a time of decline. It's, it's in some ways seeding for the future because there's a cold, hard winter coming. And so nature and animals know they've got to sort of hunker down in some ways. They've got to transition some things. Leaves fall off and bark hardens up because winter is coming, right? What's interesting about fall, the nine, that was like one of some of their favorite seasons, is it's really beautiful, but yet it's in decline. Have you ever noticed that? Like the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter in the fall season. It seems to get darker sooner and sooner, and it's cooling off, but it's not cold yet. And it seems like it might be dying, but in fact, what's actually happening is nature is shedding and preparing and seeding for the future. Because winter always comes. Winter is a season of death. All things that God has created has an end. All things. And that's not just in agriculture. That's in all areas of life. Any created thing has an end point, an end pole. That's what Solomon would say, right? I think winter is a very demanding season. I think the reason it's such a demanding season, if you're in one of those or you've experienced that, is that there's no visible surface growth. There's not a lot of things blossoming, right? Nature, in a sense, seems like it's completely dead, but it's not. Nature's actually hidden, and the growth that's happening in that season is actually very deep below the surface. It's underground. It's renewing itself. It's working through some cycles in order for spring to come. But when we look at winter, the surface is cleared. A lot of ways, the foliage is all gone, correct? And it looks dark. It looks deep. It looks sad. It's even colder than fall. And so that's winter. Spring is a time of fruitfulness, okay? If you think about spring for a second, it starts slowly, right? There's sometimes this hint of spring and then it gets cold again down here especially, right? But it starts slowly and then it just sort of snowballs and it continues to grow and grow and grow and things begin to bloom and bloom and blossom. And you know what? I think spring is one of the easiest times to love, especially here, right? We have festivals, it's warm here, but not too hot. There's 
all these various smells, most likely crawfish, and those are all plenty in spring, right? It's easy for us to love that. In spring, what happens is things green, and they, they become green, and they're flowering, and they're blossoming, and if you have allergies, you don't like this time, right? But that's spring. It's a time of fruitfulness. And then there's summer, and summer is a time of abundance or a time that we live with plenty of everything, right? Because in summer, everything's in bloom. It's the humidity is in full blossom. It's really warm, right? And there's a sense in which when we're in summer and sitting at the beach, we're like, man, this is great. Why do we ever doubt in winter? Look at how good this is. It's all balmy and I'm browner and sunburnt and sun-kissed. There's, there's plenty in this time. Even our kids have a different rhythm with no school. And so maybe there's later nights that we stay up because summer is there. It's a time of plenty. And so this question I have for you then is, what season are you in? Fall, winter, spring, or summer? What season are you in? This week, as we were, I was sharing this with the team, Dustin asked me to come with some diagnostic questions to maybe determine what season you're in. And I don't have a whole lot. Here's what I will tell you. I think you need to sit this week and you need to say, what am I feeling? And what am I sensing right now? Because that will sort of help you understand your season. What, what am I tasting and what am I experiencing? And as I thought about that, I think the best thing you can do is you can find a close spouse or a friend this week and just simply say, what season do you think I'm in? And, and diagnose from there. See, the, the seasons are a various way for us to see that. And I've already said, but it's so important to say, we don't need to say we want this season or that. We have to understand God has established seasons. And we honestly can't live in perpetual summer. I would love to, but that's not how God designed it. If I was God, I would have said we just would have been a perpetual time of summer, right? That's not what God's done. God's divided into these four seasons. God has broken these things up. God intended us to go through all four of these seasons. And part of what we have to do is we have to discern those seasons. And I do think, as I was talking this week with the team, I do think that this idea of season can be multi-layer. And what I mean is you can sit here right now, I think you could, if you took some time this week in process, you could say, you know what, I feel like spiritually right now, I'm in a winter. And, and with my relationships and my friendships, I'm in a fall. Just people are transitioning. In my marriage though, man, we're in a summertime. When, when you go back to those various seasons, they can, they can be multi-layered, right? There's not a reality that we're just all in one season at one time, right? And I think that's a good thing with God. But when we think about this, our marriage and parenting, our spiritual life, these organizations that we're a part of can be in all various seasons. And the goal we have to do, the thing we need to do this week is say, I need to discern what season I'm in, what, what season I'm currently in. But next, the other invitation is then to embrace your season. Embrace your season. Here's the reality, Okay. You might not like what I've said up until this point. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to fight that. Man, forget that. I'm going to show you. But you can't fight the seasons you're in because you don't control it. Right? God does. We don't. And we don't like to say that. You can't change your season. God leads you into seasons and he leads you out of seasons. Right? A couple of things, right? There, there's this seasonal rhythm is, gives us some keys to do. Correct? I right now with some of my kids want to just stop time. The four and six-year-old time of little boy is just a time of innocence and just so much fun. And I mean, you just should have heard all the conversations building up to the men's retreat, what we did this week, right? It's just a fun time with my boys. But the clock's ticking. 
My, my daughter right now, right? She's in between this time of like innocence and still has her like curious George and this time where she's just like really arrogant and just got an attitude and rolls her eyes at me. And she, she goes between those two seasons, right? I can't stop it. We as parents, we can't, we can't stop that. All of us, right? We, we can't think, I'm, I'm coming on my 40s. I'm, I, I, I have to understand, like I found out this week, I can't do things like I did when I was 13, 14, and 15 i.e. sleep on the ground, okay? Me and Michael, we slept on some roots on Friday night. You know what Saturday felt like? Oh, woo, right? I was so tired yesterday, okay? We all talked to men. Uh, we, we, we all fall, I, felt, I, I fell asleep sitting up at 7.15 last night, okay? Because I'm not a, I'm not a 13, 20-year-old, young 20-year-old anymore sleeping on the ground, right? I'm a, I'm a close to 40-year-old. I'm not saying you're gonna die if you do something outside of your seat. I'm gonna say you might hurt for a little while. Kirk's here. I asked him this question this week when he was helping us uh, set for fill the fridge. He says, this stuff hurts all the time, right? And that's, that's just a reality, right? We have to embrace the season that you're in. You can't force it. You can't change it as much as you want to. Just imagine right now if I was like, you know what? Today, I am going to the beach. Forget the season. Forget what's going on right now. And I'm, I'm literally just going to go to the beach and have fun. I wanted to preach a sermon in swing trunks and a tank top this morning. I would have frozen this morning if I came into church, right? Did any of y'all wake up this morning and go, we're going to blow that cold air into New Orleans to cool it off? No. You just had to embrace it. You had to dust off like I did our winter stuff and say, you know what? God decided today is going to be like 30 degrees in, in New Orleans, so we're going to have to dress for that. Came from the North Shore where we thought it was cold, went to the fly yesterday for a soccer game. It felt like 30 degrees in that wind chill. The wind was blowing like 50 miles an hour. And me and, Paul, I mean, me and Isaac was like watching Paul play soccer, right? You just have to embrace your season. Because here's the reality. If you fight it, you try to change it, you're going to miss that there are things to be done in fall and there are things to be done in spring. In my gardening, this will be my gardening 2.0 for you, right? In August, I was really mad at God because all of my tomatoes and kale and all that kind of stuff just rotted and burned up because of the scorching sun. And if I spent all of August being like, God, I want kale in my backyard, I'd been crazy. It was hotter than anything. It didn't rain for, I think, 40 days, and just everything dried up, right? I can't fight what I want to happen in my garden. I have to embrace the seasons, and I have to know that I think this week we're supposed to, those of us has yards, winterize our yards, right? You're supposed to do that the first week or two of November. And then in the spring, when everything's fruitful, man, we gotta go out there every few days or that kill's gonna go bad on the vine, right? Or the uh, trunk or whatever, right? There are things you do in fall for preparation for spring. There's things you need to do in summer, enjoy some things because there's a cold, hard, dark winter coming. And that's what it means to embrace your season. Peter Cazero in this podcast, I will give you, I think, the full of what he says in this way. This is not a quote. This is my hearing and interpretation. He says, the dominant view of God working throughout Scripture is seasons, that of agricultural and farming in a nature metaphor. This seasonal language is important because this wording runs headlong into our egos that want to be in charge seasons or the times of what God is doing is outside of our control. Part of embracing our seasons is simply relinquishing some of the control that we really think we have and embracing what God's doing. This is not easy, but I think, uh, I think uh, Solomon gives us a couple of pointers that I just want to give you as we close today. This would particularly be coming out of Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 15. First one is this, is that 
we need to seize joy as it comes to us each and every day. We experience a lot of emotional things throughout every single day, right? There's just tons of stuff going on. And I think what literally Solomon says as an old man later in his life is simply this, be joyful. And I think joy is something that we have to seize at times in our life. I think we have to sometimes realize, you know what? We can't stop time with our kids. We can't stop our aging and ailing, uh, broken, hurt backs kind of thing. We can't stop those kind of things. All we can do is seize the joy that God has in that. And one of the people that we learn a lot from, John Mark Comer, talks about a gratitude journal. Something maybe do this week is just start every day or some point in the day. What's one or two or three things that you're thankful for? What What are you grateful for? And put that in your pocket and in your noonday prayer and your evening prayer, pull those back out. When, when that thing makes you mad or you get flustered or you lose your thing, pull that thing out. I, I have one in my journal that I keep. And so I'm constantly just adding things that I'm grateful for, right? Front of my journal. And so there's times, some of us need to do that this week. Joy is a hard thing at times to seize. Joy is a hard thing to live in. Have a gratitude journal. And be reminded of the things that you've been joyful in, that you've seen God do. Secondly, Solomon tells us to do good. He says, be joyful and to do good as long as you live. There's a reality that sometimes we can become very selfish and some seasons are harder than others and some seasons we wanna be more selfish than others and what we've gotta continue to do, what Solomon's telling us here is saying, look up and look up towards others. There, There are others always outside of ourselves that we could do good for. We could be an encouragement to, we could hear, we could bless, we could pray for, we could uh, uh, sympathize with, right? Do good. Next would be to enjoy life. He says that in verse 13, okay? Eat, drink, and be merry, right? There's a sense in which work and hustle and grind is a toil, toll, right? It just wears us down. But then we have to realize that it, it's a precious gift that God's given. There are good things in this world that we are ought to enjoy. There are foods and there are rich, delicious foods, especially in this culture that we live in. What a, what a gift from God to live here. There's things like nature and oceans and just vast mountains, right, that helps us enjoy who God is. When, when we believe, have a belief in God's sovereignty, meaning that he's got it all under control, right? Don't, don't sweat too much. Don't get too stressed, right? Because God is sovereignly working. What it frees us up to do is enjoy the life he's given. And life is a gift. Life is such a precious gift that he's given. So seize joy, do good, enjoy life. Finally, revere him. We don't use the word revere a lot. I saw it in an old commentary I read this week. So maybe the better word to say is to trust him. As, as, as we think about this and as we embrace our season, we can be centered. We can be surrendered to God. Verse 11, Solomon says, one, that what God does lasts forever and nothing can alter that. What a relief. <laughs> the world is not dependent upon me or you. God's got it under control. But secondly, it says, he set eternity into all of our hearts that creates this seeking for, this, this, this wanting, this commentary that said our capacity to comprehend immortality leads us to want it and therefore seek it. Your, your line of your time is not the end. There's eternity. 
if we so trust in God through Jesus. Paul would say it after Christ. He would say this in Galatians 4, when the right time came, God sent his son. What Jesus has done revolutionizes time. See, we often look at this reality and we think, well, if God's outside of time, I mean, I think he's really set me over there for a while and just hasn't really cared. And our, our, our current circumstances, our daily life at times, can really seem to contradict the fact that Jesus is hope and that promises that have been uh, given have been fulfilled, though yet they're not realized. So in the Old Testament, there's this story of this people called the Jews. And you can read from Genesis to Malachi and see the seasonal of summer and spring, and there's falls and there's winters. And then God went silent for 400 years. Just think about that. There, there was generation upon generation that didn't hear from God. And I think at times they probably thought, well, all those promises are left unfulfilled. Can you imagine? That's not just like a, a bad week. That's like me and my kids and my kids and my grandkids and my great-great-grandkids, hundreds of years. God, where are you at? Where, where are, where, did you leave us until the right time? And then that right time, Jesus was born. And what's interesting is that Jesus stays unknown for 30 years. That's like the prime of our life. Jesus, what are you, what, God, what are you doing? These promises you've said, you, you haven't done it right now. This is the prime of my life. But at the right time, Jesus steps into ministry. For three years, he has a very fruitful but short and fast ministry. If I was God, I would give Jesus more time, right? Well, imagine what he could do with 30 years of ministry. He had three. And at the right time, Jesus was arrested, and he died on a cross. And these disciples, these men and women who had given three and a half years of their life to follow this man and this belief and this dream, set for three days of mourning. Can you imagine the earth-shattering moment between Good Friday and Easter Sunday? God, what are you doing? This guy was supposed to be the Messiah. We were supposed to come in and whoop the Romans and set us back up like we were the glory days. What, what are you doing? And at the right time, the, stole, the stone rolled back and Jesus resurrected from the dead. And then at that height of that moment, oh my goodness, right? The women come and tell, G or come and tell the disciples, you won't believe this. That guy's alive. I've never seen a guy rise from the dead, but they did. God says, after he sins, he says, go and wait. The highest of highs. What are we supposed to do now? Go wait, pray, the Holy Spirit's coming. As a church right now, we're in a time of fasting and prayer. It's a time of sitting and waiting. Well, like the disciples. Because at the right time, Pentecost happened. The Holy Spirit came into these believers. And, and action and belief and movement happened. But it was at the right time. And now we are in that time. And we as Christians have for 2,000 years been just trying to sit in our time, but also steward our time as faithful as we can to love God and to do good. But there's a, another time. 
Right now, the father's sitting with Jesus, and Jesus is waiting for the father to say, go. Right? Because there's another return coming from Jesus. We believe in that. That's our hope. That's our promise. And sometimes we can say, God, I don't know why it's taking so long. But God, in his right time, will return. And so I will tell you this morning, in embracing your season and discerning your season and living in this reality that God has established seasons in your life, regardless of the time you have left, I would encourage you to embrace your season. Steward the gift of time that God's given you. And when stewarding that, seize joy every day you can, every moment of the day you can, every little thing and every big thing. And as often as you can, try to do good for others. Enjoy this life, this gift that God's given you. And in the ups and the downs, trust Him. Trust Him. So this week, as you sit with this, I would give you just two reflection questions to maybe type, write down whatever to think through. One, find some space to just simply stop and say, consider what season are you in right now? And that might look like a morning, that might like looking like taking a day off, that might look like staying up late one night, but have you ever stopped to consider what season you're in right now? Because that's the first step. And then next, as you process that, then the question would be, what would embracing your season look like right now? Process that, bring others in as you can, but that's what I would tell you to do this week. This morning, I want to take just a chance in this moment and this time just to pray for every single one of you because you came here this morning and I'm sure this has hit you in all different ways and you have maybe a bunch of different feels and I just want to invite us all this morning if we're able just to kneel. I want to changing posture like this is sometimes very important. So if you're able to just would you join me in kneeling. Kneeling and changing this posture is a posture of surrender. Okay? It, it, for us who are older, will maybe hurt after a while, but this is a posture of saying, we're not up there controlling, we're, we're bowed. And I want to invite you to just to open your hands. So much in our life, we try to knuckle white fist control, and we just can't. And what God's asking us to is, in surrendering, opening our hands, we're trusting. It's an act of, of trust in Him. And so do that this morning as I just pray over us. God, I thank you for every man and woman here this morning. And I thank you for every kid that's around the corner. And, and we just pause and we, we sit with maybe a, a truth and a reality that's hard, that we don't control. We want to. Some areas we want to rush through it in that season and just get it over with. And some we want to stop time or we want to extend time through our healthy eating or exercising or whatever. And the reality is you in your great wisdom and in your sovereignty and in your foresight and just full love said the time's set. And so Lord, we, we bow in that and we surrender to you. A good, good God who gave a precious good gift of time. And Lord, we want to surrender to that so that we can fully steward that to the best that you enable us to do. Lord, right now, if there is someone who is in a fall or winter season, Lord, I lift them up to you. Those can be 
some of the most difficult seasons to walk through. There's, there's doubts and onset of depression and questioning and there's struggles. We, we can't see some things. We can't understand some things. Why is this way that it is? And Lord, I just pray we thank you that in your spirit, you're there present with us. You're not absent in a winter. You're not absent when it's cold, dark, and hard. You're very present there. You're comforting. And so I pray for those in winter that this week they would experience your embrace. They would experience what you're working, what you're doing, because there's a lesson to be learned, and there's a gift to receive from you, and there's, there's a way that you're working in that season. And so help those in winter to begin, whether it's this week or very soon, to see spring coming. To see spring birthing out in that area, that season of their life. Lord, for those that are right now in a spring and a summer, we, we praise you for that. For those that have fruitfulness and have abundance and lots of good things, Lord, we thank you that they, as a part of our church family, are in that season. And Lord, I pray you'd help them to see that maybe in that time of abundance, in that time of summer, is a time for them to be generous. It's a time for them to, to, to give, a time for them to love, a time for them to provide something for others. Lord, maybe it's a time that they can speak. It's not a time for them to stay silent. It's a time for them to speak and speak the joys and the, the, the presence that they enjoy so much, the abundance that they're walking in, into those in winter and those in fall. Help them to steward that time. Help them to see what it is that you've given them in their fruitfulness and abundance to give of themselves and to do good to others in that season. Where we, we ask that this week we would live with a, a better focus to embrace this season and to steward it for all that you have for us to do. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that we can pray to you in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for joining the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. If you're enjoying this content, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week.